Revolting is produced by The Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at The Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. Is revolting with Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent episode eighty-one. The times we might have died. And here's your content warning. This is a dirty, filthy, inappropriate hours worth of nonsense. Ask yourself, am I down? If the answer is, I'm not sure. Then maybe skip the next but this but. <sighs> Skip to the next podcast before we say something you can't unhear. And with that, uh, welcome to the 81st episode of the Revolting Podcast. Welcome back. Robot and I have not seen or spoken with one another for a little while because we both have taken on jobs <laughs> that we actually <sighs> we have to be places. Uh, it's kind of hard to schedule the jibber jabber when you have grown up responsibilities I was complaining to my wife about being tired from doing so much work and she was like oh did you pull an all dayer <laughs> uh, it's uh, you know when you're not used to it like having to keep a schedule is is tricky it's easy to I get in the groove but fuck man I had one meeting yesterday scheduled and I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel man. like such a shithead. I am so bad at, uh, okay. Uh, well, knowing what day it is, I'm not good at that. Knowing what time Same. it is, I'm not good at that. Um, uh, my friend Spencer and Sam, uh, Spencer was the founder at Rita. They just got uh, married, which is very exciting. I'm so happy for both of them. And they sent me a wedding announcement. And I even had spoken with Sam about um, uh, how to go about like where the exact location in Southern California was and get an Airbnb. And I even had a date and I was very excited so happy for them and i woke up the other day and i was like oh man i gotta like i think it's probably time that i gotta get my shit together um the wedding uh i went out to get the card off the side of my refrigerator where it was placed prominently so i would be sure to see it every day and uh looked june 3rd uh, <laughs> i'm looking at it on june 3rd i'm just like i fucking can't i can't do it i can't <laughs> Yeah, it's so it's endlessly frustrating to me. I mean, granted, my mom has been sick and I've been saddled with a bunch of stuff, but I just, you know, there's more than one thing on my in my field of vision. I just get overwhelmed and can't do anything. I do 100 percent of the shit wrong 100 percent of the time. Yeah, I have a real problem with this. I get very frustrated with myself in my mind. Something is either happening now 
and then I'm all on it, or it's happening later. And if it's happening later, I don't need to think about it now. But that turns out not to be really true. Sometimes you have to think about the things that are happening later now. And I really, for me, if something is happening later, it's always happening later. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I like, do. Absolutely. Yeah. That wedding is later. How much later? I don't know. Later. It, I've I, always been pretty bad at this, but I feel like when I had, when I had a, a mm, defined existence, like it was pretty loosey goosey. Uh, at best when it was defined and now it's just not all over the fucking map that no, nothing exists and people you know people try to schedule stuff with me and i'm like look i work in like 60 minute increments <laughs> at best if i don't have anything going on in an hour and you want to do something in an hour or 30 minutes my mom is constantly like oh what's your what's your plan on thursday the 17th and i'm like fuck <laughs> I, I don't know. I can tell you the morning of Thursday, the 17th, but beyond that. Yeah. If someone says to me, what are you doing on Thursday, the 17th? I'm like, nothing. I'm doing nothing because I can't even imagine what Thursday, the 17th is. <laughs> I may actually have a surgery booked for that day, but in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that's later. Nothing. I'm doing nothing that uh, day. I, it, it frustrates me because I know that it frustrates the people around me. Yeah. Um, I feel like a real dick. I sent Sam and Spencer a text message that morning and apologized, you know, but like that tells me if somebody else did that to me, that would tell me that they just don't give a shit, which is not the case. I don't remember your name because I, not because I don't care. It's because my, I just, my brain doesn't, my brain doesn't retain stuff and it's no. worse now than it's ever been. Yeah, it's the I'm the exact same. I'm the exact same. And I feel dumb. I just feel dumb. Like yesterday I had the one meeting. It was scheduled for noon. It was in a di- I would start to say that like in my defense, uh it was in a different time zone. But the meeting invitation gives a time in my time zone, right? So it already is correcting for me and 15 minutes before the meeting, a little reminder pops up. Did that help me? No. I just blazed no. right through that. <laughs> About 35 minutes into the meeting, I got a text saying, hey, are you coming to this meeting? And I was like, oh, oh, oh. and then, but they were like, don't worry, uh, the meeting's over now. And I was like, I was both like good because I didn't want to make the apology and feel stupid, but also terrible because I don't have that many responsibilities to screw some of them up is really not awesome. Yeah. Um, my friend Kirsten has reminded me and my old bookkeeper friend, Tina, she used to, she used to mention all the time that I have a calendar on my phone. Cause I used to have a giant paper calendar behind my door in my office. And I would look at that every day and I would like put my finger on it and I would say, okay, this is today. These are the things written down. And it was much easier. And now I have a smaller paper calendar that I look at every day. And it doesn't work anymore. But so Kirsten is constantly like, hey, did you know that you have a, a, a calendar on your phone? And Tina used to say the same thing. And it'd be like, oh, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. And yeah, I see a calendar and, and you know, and they, you have pop ups and alerts and all this stuff. And so Kirsten showed me how to use it a couple of weeks ago. And the only thing that I had in my entire calendar for the entire month of June 
was party. And like at eight o'clock one morning, I had a party. And, uh, and then somehow, I, somehow I fucked that up. Like, I missed the party. Yeah, I didn't see it until the next day. I was like, oh, fuck, I was supposed to party yesterday. Well, I guess I'll party today. The other thing that I do is if I have one thing to do in the afternoon, and yeah. now that, you know, the the spectrum of like what ADHD is, is, is basically if you're alive, you have ADHD. And so, correct. Yeah. you know, I look at the, the graphics and I'm like, oh, man, I totally have ADHD and ADD and uh, you know, anything else that Adderall might resolve. But if I have something in the afternoon, I have like a three o'clock, I can't do anything all day. Like I better not do it. I better not go on a ride because I might miss my three o'clock. So I just putter and draw or whatever. So I stay as close to not being distracted or not getting derailed as I can. Like if I had my way, which isn't realistic, I would have just sat there and stared at the wedding announcement until it was time to book a ticket. I would have done nothing until June 3rd. <laughs> and I, I mean, the fact that I can even make my air, I, I get a lot of anxiety about airline flights because I, I don't want to, I've missed a couple of flights in my life and it, it felt like my, my soul was being ripped out of my body. Like it was so stress inducing. Uh, so, you know, I start packing a week and a half in advance because inevitably if I pack the night before, I'll forget all of my clothes. I'll forget everything. It's just getting worse. Like my brain is, is turning on me in leaps and bounds. Yeah. I have the same problem. I have the same problem. I have the problem that I will look the day before and be like, Oh, I have a meeting at noon. And then I wake up the next day. I'm like, that meeting's at 11, right? (laughs) Or is it at two? I just, uh, and I'll even say to myself, like, okay, noon, 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 noon. noon. I do right. do these little stupid things. Uh, you got it written on hole. your hand. Yeah. You got it written on a post-it note in your pocket, pinned your shirt. Yeah, you know, that's your fucking it. name. We always joke, like, are we the same person? Like, we've compared notes on our, our childhoods, uh, which were very similar. We compare notes on, you know, it, it, random idiosyncrasies. It's pretty weird to me. And the deeper we get into it, the more like I'm either exactly like if I dig deep enough, I'm exactly like everyone else on the planet or the universe has just seen it fit to throw these two total nine balls with all the same issues into this little circus. Yeah, free. It is a little uncanny. Anytime I think about it too much, I kind of like turn away because I'm like, I don't want to do a battle to the death with steve just to <laughs> secure my <laughs> i don't want to do that i really like him as a friend uh but there can't be two but sometimes see, there are see Brittany, which one of us Brittany is, is forever like britney my wife listens to the podcast and she's like what how the fuck did you two find each other <laughs> it's nuts oh it's pretty I, funny it's pretty I funny have, stuff i have three things i want to uh talk about before we get into music picks all right and i remember them real hard uh uh i was in fact an hour ago i think you started texting me like can we and by the way the way we organized this morning's recording session was perfect you were like can you do it this morning and i was like oh this morning is now yes yes i can do it now (laughs) like that's that's pretty good Uh um so the first thing i want to say i want to tell a uh 
Well, I'll end with the story. I want to say uh, a person, um, a person who listens to our podcast went to the Cycling Independent and put $100 in the tip jar. That's wild. It is. That's and the most money. That's more money than I have, I think, to my entire name <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, yeah, and I sent her a thank you note, um, which Gmail, I think, maybe rejected twice. But I ha- So maybe she didn't get it, but I want to thank her here now. I don't want to say her name because... You know what? I ha- I have a I think that um I know the name and I think that he she's a he. Oh shit. Sorry. It's one of the it's a name that can be either or. Yes. Well, if it's a him uh or a her, I'm still very grateful. Uh and the moral of that story is all the rest of you freeloaders who are just <laughs> listening to this, having yourselves a little chuckle with us or at us. Uh, come on, man. No, you've or been taken care of. Nobody, nobody has to pay because this person is taking care of everybody else's sins. Yeah, come on. Um, so that's the one thing. Uh, the other thing is, I read this morning that um, the the Iron Sheik, famed wrestler, the Iron Sheik, passed away. Oh no! Ye- yesterday, we've lost the Iron Sheik. You know, I understand that he's the one who came up with the name Jabroni. Which I what? use frequently. Yeah. The Rock took it from the Iron Sheik and the Iron Sheik. And if if you've never um if you've never uh uh whoa, I just totally oh, oh uh the Iron Sheik's Twitter feed. Fantastic. Oh, I didn't know I don't know if it is actually the Iron Sheik or was actually the Iron Sheik, but the all of the stuff there is life affirming. So for people who are too young or too dumb to have noticed, uh, and or both, uh, the Iron Sheik was a wrestler, uh, probably at their peak in the eighties, late seventies mm-hmm. and eighties, and um, it was a what's called in the wrestling world a heel, which is like a bad guy character um, who was supposed to be. Uh, a sheik from Iran. I don't even know if they have sheiks in Iran. There was a lot of stuff that he did that was just not at all. <laughs> it was fully like Americans are too stupid to know better, so I'm going to do this anyway. Um, he wore these little curly-toed shoes, and he would like say USA and spit on the ground. Like He was a real <laughs> classic. <laughs> so good. At some point in the 80s, he teamed up with Nikolai Volkov, the uh, who was not actually Russian. He was Croatian, but he was supposed to be Russian. And they would chant like Russia, number one, Iran, number one. And they were the, they were world champion tag teams, tag team. They were the world champion tag team at WrestleMania one. Um, but I got a lot of joy from the Iron Sheik. And so I'm sad for his passing. He was a, he was to all, by all accounts, a very grateful American who loved all the opportunities this country gave him to spit on our flag and generally (laughs) earn a living by being the uh, comic uh, target for Americans fucking bizarre nationalist nonsense. Well, rest in peace. I hadn't heard that. That's that's very sad. He was a, uh, he was a national treasure. He was. 
The third thing I want to say is I took my son, my younger son, to the movies recently. And it was one of those movies where they have like the recliner, like the electric recliner. Now it was really quite an experience, but uh, he likes popcorn a lot. I bought him a big popcorn uh, because he likes to eat all of it. And but he was like, do you want some popcorn? I was like, oh, I don't eat popcorn anymore because I, I get diverticulitis, which is what I think your mom had. Right. Mm hmm. And diverticulitis is this thing where like corn husks from popcorn or seeds get caught in your colon and inflame the thing and it's painful and it's whatever. So I tell him, oh, I don't eat that anymore because I get diverticulitis. And he goes, you get an anal infection from eating popcorn? I'm like, I look at him and he's smiling and I'm like, sure, sure. So we're watching this uh, moving picture film. Uh, as you do when you're sitting in your recliner with your giant bucket of popcorn. And at some point I'm like, fuck it. And I reach over and I grab a handful of popcorn and he looks at me and he goes, but your anus <laughs> out loud. He says that out loud. Yeah. Wasn't it Art, Art Linkletter said that kids say the darndest things? Yeah, that's right. Oh, I almost rolled out of my recliner right there in the theater. <laughs> Uh, and That's, it was actually, that was better. Him just saying that one thing was better than the movie. What movie did you see? We saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Mm. How's we the soundtrack? Uh, it's fine. You know, it's like classic rock. It's, I would say it's a well, like the plot was pretty poor. Uh, it was visually, I liked it a lot visually. It's I love the I love the franchise and I love the soundtrack. I bought my ex uh, the record for her birthday several years ago and uh in the divorce I got the record. Wow. Yeah. Look at me Just... moonwalking all around <laughs> <laughs> with the spoils of my split. <laughs> uh I love the I love the soundtrack in the first in the first two. So I look forward to hearing the soundtrack you know, I by myself. The record What's of the third, the third, the third movie soundtrack. Yeah, I think of all of the Marvel or DC things, it kind of does the best job at being like a comic book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, I, have, I go to like two movies a year, uh, take myself to so two movies or so a year. And I uh, got to be real picky and choosy because, you know, I don't want to waste that $28 or whatever it costs to get to a theater bucks. now. What an experience. It's the yeah. best two hours I've spent. Um, all right, let's uh, get on with the shit. Oh, I, you know what? I want to say um, uh, I went, I went, I took myself camping. That was one thing that I did schedule that I did, that I did not forget uh, because I've been, my friend Jamie died in September and I felt so drawn to just uh, some fucking isolation. Like I needed some breathing room. And his sister, who's an old friend of mine from, I've known her since junior high, I guess. And her older brother uh, went backpacking right after the memorial. And um, I just, I, it just seemed, it just seemed right. Like I, I just need some elbow room and then fall turned into winter and, and winter turned into spring and I just never got it together. And so I took myself out to the cuts and didn't speak to anyone for days and communed with nature, commute, communed, commute, communed with nature. 
um, sat in some snow melt, looked at some glaciers. It was real nice. Uh, but in the midst of this head clearing experience, I wrote two of the probably the most banger would you rathers. And I was so excited to pick one of them today. Uh, but then I realized because I'm doing a mural at the record store and I had my sketchbook at the record store. I forgot it there. Yes, I left it there yesterday, not thinking that we were going to talk today because we only made a plan to talk, you know, 15 minutes before we started. Uh, so I'm going to have to wait until next week, but I'm really happy with these. It's funny because the it's like the clouds, clouds parted. And I was like, oh, they just came to me. They were perfect. I was so proud of them. I wrote, I wrote pages and pages and pages of stuff and they just came out like, like I felt like I was even, let's see, it was like mental, mental constipation. And to get to this place where I just wasn't thinking about anything but breathing and all of this stuff came out. And oh. in that, a couple of real good would you rathers that we're going to have to wait on. I'm excited for them. Uh, I think a good would you rather is like gold or even platinum. Um. <laughs> I was I was psyched. I was reading uh, Dan, there's a guy named Dan Price who used to do the uh, catalogs for Simple Shoes. And he had a little fanzine. You could stumble into your odd shoe store and find this little fanzine that he made called the Moonlight Chronicles. And he's, I don't know, to date, he's made upwards to maybe a hundred, over a hundred issues. And his drawings are so, they're so great. They're, they're observational and they remind me a lot of my friend Danny's drawings, a uh, guy I went to college with. He's the guy I started mountain biking with, uh, bike content. And, um, Ding. and his writing is really interesting and he conjures up all these like, you know, these hobbit, these little hobbit houses that are buried under the ground and, and just sort of like overlanding trucks. But this is in the, you know, mid nineties. Um, so it wasn't really a thing, but like trucks you could live out of and he would have all these drawings and all these notes. And it was just, it was really whimsical and really beautiful. And I bought four issues from him. You can get them. He lives in Joseph, Oregon, in in a little hobbit hole. He has this little hobbit hole on his property that he lives in. He plays a finger drum or finger steel drum thing, and he sits and rides a trike around. And he's just this like kooky little hobo um, artist. Uh, but he sent me four or five issues that I've been I've had stashed in my truck for two years. Oh, and I was unpacking all of my sleeping bag and chairs and stuff and there was this little envelope in there i was like oh fuck yeah and i sat by the river and i read all the moonlight chronicles and he's just got this amazing way of observing uh people who've read his zine know what i'm talking about but i, I wrote a thing it was like writing the way that the water sounds or writing the way that my feet feel in the water or the rocks feel under my feet or whatever it's I used to do it, but it just seemed so self-indulgent because I'm basically like describing these experiences to no one, whereas he's describing them for an audience. Uh, so I kind of stopped doing it, but I read a couple of his zines and I was like, oh, fuck it. And then it just like the everything just flowed. Good shit. Anyway, the Moonlight Chronicles, if anybody 
cares. It's like P.O. Box 109, Joseph, Oregon, and whatever the zip code is, and you send them five well, bucks a copy. Well, you've nailed it there. Everyone's going to sign up. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's, I think it's like, I don't even know where Joseph, Oregon is, but yeah, buy some Moonlight Chronicles and check them out. You can't go wrong. I don't think there's a bad issue in the bunch. All right. Um, I think it's so, magic to be inspired in that way and to have the time and space to process the inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I needed it. I needed it. And man, really like at the head of this mural project that I'm doing at the record store, uh, I, and I, I probably need to leave town again um, for a little while because I've just been so desperate to, and I have all of this stuff stacked up and, I just feel bound up, you know, mm. it really loosens some, it loosens some ideas and loosens some emotions. And you were psycho emotionally constipated. And now I, I feel better. I, I got to my parents' house before I left town and my mom started talking uh, to me about some things that I just wasn't, I didn't have the bandwidth to talk with her about. And I was like, we got to put a pin in this conversation. Cause I just don't, I can't. You know, um, and getting a little bit of breathing room and a little bit of elbow room, I think it's going to allow me to, you know, go forward. But I could definitely have used a week. I met this old ski bum camp host guy and I was like, man, maybe I could be a camp host. You know, six months, just put a pin in my business and put my shit in storage and go live in the woods for six months and get paid. You would never come back. That's my opinion on that. You would know, you'd be like, hmm. He did say he works on the mountain. He works on the mountain during the winter and he works in the down in the valley in the campsite during the summer. He's like, I live in my truck, get paid. It make you know, they make me three meals a day. I can shower in the dorm. I, you know, I don't know, just sloughing off. I think some people might call it running away. Uh <laughs> Uh, just getting rid of the the detritus and the extra noise and those people are bullies. Uh, You're running away from your problems. Look, if a bear is attacking you, that's a big problem, and the solution is to run the fuck away. Yeah. I don't think there's anything away. I don't think it's pretty natural to run away from your problems. It is uh, a survival instinct. Yeah. You know, facing them. That's, I guess that some people do that too. Fight, <laughs> fight, or flight. I'm gonna pick flight. Yeah. <sighs> Book me on that, cause I'm not. I don't fight. Yeah, yeah. I got a, a text from my friend Angela yesterday morning, and she was like, "Man, what? When did fight or flight turn into like just constant fucking anxiety about like daily existence? Mm. You know, it used to be you're like either confronting or or retreating from predators, and now it's just like we're constantly in this push and pull with just being just existing. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't have any answers for, her. I just told her to breathe, <laughs> concentrate on breathing and you know, the chair under her, her ass or the ground under her feet. Uh, otherwise, uh, fuck if I know. I don't know. Um, I, um, I just light a fire and walk away. So let's do music picks. Um, yeah, let's. I changed mine from the one you have on your notes, but I've been listening to a lot of dub reggae lately because it's just, I think, the vibe I need. Uh, very chilled out, sort of echoey, spacey, uh, 
And so this week I'm picking a record by Scientist called Scientific Dub. Uh, it came out in 2010. And Scientist is a guy who's made a lot of dub records and produced a lot of dub. He's um, he's not Lee Scratch Perry, who seems to be involved in every dub record ever. But I think if you uh, spin up this record, Scientific Dub, uh, you will come out the other side uh, smoothed out in in all the important <laughs> ways. Uh, all right. Easy. Easy peasy, probably probably pretty easy to find online or yep. at your local record store. Yep. Uh, similarly, I have something that is like shockingly mellow. Uh, I stumbled across this kid uh, named Jake Cohn, K-O-H-N, Cohn or Con. Uh, he's a folk singer from over there, uh, east from of the west coast probably uh-huh. in you know uh the virginias perhaps or or maybe tennessee or or somewhere and this kid is uh he's 16 now but i just came across him i was like oh what's this all about and listening to this guy you're not prepared for what comes out of his body he's I have, i've heard this he's channeling you've heard jake Yes. I pushed it pretty hard. I had it on the site and I put it in various forms of social media. It's you're seeing this kid and you're like, your brain, it takes you a second to catch. It takes your brain a second to catch up with what you're hearing. And, um, there's a song, uh, one in particular, I've tried to find like, there's video, various videos of him playing in little cafes or whatever. Uh, uh, but there's not really much in terms of like, uh, available output, no records or band camp or anything that I've been able to find. But this one song uh, that I happened across and then I delved into it, anything I could find was called Frostbite. Is called Frostbite. And it's, it's, it, I don't, you know, like where this kid comes from. He's, he's operating on another plane. It's funny, this, I have a comment that someone wrote uh, somewhere and he said, dude is awesome. And 15, Good Lord, he sounds like a 55-year-old coal miner who shoots moonshine and lost three of his nine children to typhoid last winter. <laughs> uh, it's, it's brilliant, and I can't get enough of it. And I wish that I had some physical... I wish I had a record. I really want a record. Uh, this kid is just completely blowing my mind. Hopefully so. he'll make you one. It's, it's, this is another instance of you and I perhaps being the same person because I've been seeking and enjoying, seeking out and enjoying mellow music just lately. And I've been listening to a bunch of um, uh, traditional country and Western music. There's a woman named Sierra Farrell uh, who has this old-timey voice um, I don't even know. It, it sounds like her voice sounds like, uh, she would have been a huge hit in the 1940s. Uh, but she, she makes great stuff. There's a, um, I think there on YouTube, there's a channel, I think it's called Western AF. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But sounds yes, right. yes. Chilling out. I don't know why I'm chilling out. Uh, the rage will return. <laughs> it's, it's always just, simmering yes 
Yes. Uh, well, yeah, good for us. We uh, this is uh, this is the grown up side of revolting, perhaps. Yes. In the uh, hormone, in the in the adolescent hormonal lull, we sometimes <laughs> listen to dulcet uh, and soothing musics. There it is. So, uh, having said that, let's get on with a word from our sponsor, and we will continue with the show. Revolting is sponsored by the homies at Shimano North America. They're hoping that you bunch of knuckleheads will check out their sweet new road wheels. Have you seen them? At 105 Ultegra and Dura-Ace levels, they have carbon disc wheels you can afford that are as well-made as everything they make. One thing I really like about them is they're not rolling billboards. They're, they're low-key. You know, they're aero, they're tubeless-ready. They're all those good things, too. Do us and yourself a favor. Give them a look at road.shimano.com. All right, let's. What are we talking about today, robot? Uh, you know, a lot of times when we're close to death, <laughs> we have no idea that that is the case. We only realize after, uh, sometimes in the moment, but mostly after. Today, we're talking about times we almost ate the ultimate shit, uh, which may be sad or funny or both, uh, but hopefully leaves us glad we're still alive, if only to dance with the devil one more time. So, tell two stories, he said, reading question one, about <laughs> times you almost died. Uh, I think you recently told the appendicitis story. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, misdiagnosed. Yeah, missed that. Well, shit. So, so I've already told the story. So I can't. Uh, it was a misdiagnosed story. Appendicitis. I had just finished uh, installing. I was working for an art installation company, and we had just finished reinstalling the entire Fisher collection. Uh, Don and Doris Fisher, who founded and owned the Gap, had a a collection consisting of like four uh, fourteen hundred pieces that we moved from one location into storage in their then new corporate headquarters that had two galleries that were probably like i don't know i want to say oh 25,000 square feet each and um because you know that's what you do when you're a billionaire is you just you're a khaki billionaire you just buy buy art like baseball card you know some people collect biz- baseball cards and and they collected you know multi-million dollar pieces of artwork which was a tax write-off if made for available for sp- uh, public consumption and so if you knew that the gallery was there and knew how to make an appointment to see the work it was available for public consumption but nobody knew that the gallery was there and nobody knew how to schedule an appointment to see it anyway so it was great um anyway uh we just finished the installation which took you know at least a few weeks and um i woke up uh, the day after the day after we'd wrapped it up and my stomach hurt pretty bad. And um, I went to work and the pain went from one side to the right side or the middle to the right side. It was vomiting, it was nausea, it was, you know, fevers. So I went to the ER and they said, no, you, I think you just have heartburn. I was like, okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's right. But 
uh, again, it's an argument to be your own advocate when it comes to medical stuff. If you know that something's not right, you really got to push, push the, um, topic a little bit. Uh, so then a week goes by and I'm just getting sicker and sicker and like having a, you know, consistent fever of like a hundred plus 109 sweating through sheets every night, still going to work, unable to keep food down, just fucked. I go back to the hospital. Um, they tell me that I have gas. <laughs> so they send me away again. And I'm, I'm uh, uh, finally, after like a week and a half of this, I'm almost unable to get out of bed under my own power. And I drag myself. I think it's the other thing is ridiculous as I rode my bike to the hospital the first two times because I felt guilty about driving. Fuck. Just yeah. stop. So um, I get a ride to the hospital. Uh, I don't really remember getting there. Like I was in really bad shape and they did a CT scan or a, some kind of a scan and they were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Okay. Uh, they, um, <laughs> they put me and they immediately admitted me. And uh, the infection was so severe uh, that they didn't want to risk operating because if they had opened me up, they could have spread the infection. And the surgeon came in to see me. I was there for, I think I was there for 11 days. And <laughs> I was, uh, it was 24 hour IV of um, antibiotics. Uh, and the surgeon said that if you hadn't been so healthy, this would have absolutely killed you. But your body, like, did this amazing job of containing the infection, which it didn't really feel like because I, I was completely delirious. Like, I was poisoning myself essentially, um, and <clears throat> uh, so they didn't operate. And finally, they released me. And this was in September of that year or whatever year it was. And, uh, I went, uh, let's see, I guess it was November. I started feeling a little peaked again and I went back and they were like, Oh, this like one tiny piece of your appendix didn't die. So then they went in and operated and I was in there for another, you know, four days or whatever. Jesus. But, um, I enjoyed that story the third time I've heard it. I think <laughs> I enjoyed it again. If I had, you know, if this had been 50 years ago, or yeah. in almost any other, not almost any other country, less industrialized country, like the, it, it very well should have killed me. That story also reminds me of the story of you going to the dermatologist with what you felt might be skin cancer and seeing the poster on the wall that that said, this is skin cancer. And you looking at <laughs> the thing on your arm and it looking just like the thing on the poster and the doctor being like, nope, you're good. Nope, Get out of here. You're like but it looks like the thing. And he's like, nope, you can get a second opinion if you want, but fuck right off. And then you went yeah. to the other doctor and the doctor was like, that's a textbook case of skin cancer. Yeah, man. You know, if you, you know yourself better than anybody. And this is, doctors are real smart and they went to medical school, but still everything they, their perspective is still an educated guess. And if you think something's amiss, you have to, you got to be, your own advocate. Um, so potentially, you know, there's uh, this dude, Rob, who used to race downhill for retro tech bikes, bike content. Uh, he had a little mole on the back of his leg that he didn't get checked and it fucking killed him. 
you know? And like, he's the guy who really prompted me. I mean, my ex is an esthetician and she's real smart about that stuff. And she's like, oh, I think you should go in and get this checked. I don't think I would have gotten it checked. It didn't look like that big of a deal. And I kept, I took pictures of it and it was smaller than a dime. And I kept an eye on it, but it didn't look like anything. And sure enough, now I got this fucking sushi roll size chunk taken out of my shoulder. And then year and a half or two years later, I have, it looks like I've been stabbed in the arm now because I had this n- another huge thing taken off of me. So like technically I'm not, you know, I didn't go through chemo and and I didn't lose all my hair and it wasn't this big plight for me. But, you know, technically, I guess. I'm a cancer survivor and I have to go, I have to be really cautious and I have to go in, you know, twice a year and get sit naked in front of a super hot dermatologist. I hate it. (laughs) It's the worst seeing her. Uh, And she checks me out looks between my toes and behind my legs and everywhere. And she's like, all right, well, this is something we need to worry about. We'll cut this off. Biopsy this. You said she looks between my, and I didn't expect toes to be the next word that came out, um, but I'm glad that it was. I think in men, I don't know where I heard this or read this, but men, the skin cancer shows up on the shoulders and the face or arms. And on women, it's generally behind the legs and between the toes. I think that's statistically accurate. Um, I had several people um, get in touch with me about the last episode that came out, and they were like, steve said there's only 350 days in the year. <laughs> <laughs> did I? And I was, they were like, did you not notice that he said that? I was like, oh, no, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because we were talking about the band tour? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, you know, I was thinking, I was, I... I should go back and listen, but um, I think my, my the way that my brain was working is if it if it is a whole year, the extent of the tour is going to not be the entire year. You'll have a few days right. off. I think that's where I was going with that. But I could yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck. I mean, I just it's clear. I don't I only, know what's going on. Yeah, I only bring it up as a uh, a note about the potential statistical accuracy of anything either of us says. <laughs> Just don't, I mean, do go get yourself checked out, but don't maybe say to the doctor, steve said there's an 87% chance that I have cancer between my toes. Uh, I just think, I don't know. It's that's, I've, I've read that somewhere that men get it in one place more often and women get it in another place more often, but anywhere, you know, that sees the sun. Well, fuck your whole body. Your skin is one gigantic organ and and you can get it anywhere and don't overlook it. Don't overlook even like little bumps or moles because you never, you never know. So I wouldn't say that that's a time that I almost died. Uh, Every time I walk outside, I almost die. So I had a medical, an interesting medical thing happen to me when I was like 10, maybe 10 or 11. I had braces and they had given me headgear. You remember when kids used to have headgear, which was mm-hmm. this like metal thing that was outside of your face strapped to your head. So I had the headgear. And in retrospect, knowing the kind of kid that I was, 
My parents probably should have been like, you know what? This headgear thing probably isn't for him. He's probably going to fuck himself up with it. Catch uh, it which on is something. What I, yeah. Maybe, maybe an alternate strategy. But so anyway, <laughs> I was over at a friend's house and I was watching TV and I had my head on the ground and they had this carpet and that part of the thing from the headgear got caught in the carpet. So I went to get up and the headgear pulled out of my mouth and then shot back in because it's under tension uh-huh. and p- pierced the inside of both cheeks. Uh, and that hurt, but I pulled it out and like, whatever, uh, at that age, I think you're pretty impervious to pains or I was anyway, cause I had given myself so many of them in, in very, by falling off of everything anyway. So I, um, my face started to swell up on one side and it was December. Uh, and so eventually it was big enough. My face was swollen big enough that my parents took me to the doctor and the doctor was like, Oh, you need to go to the hospital because he has cellulitis in his face. So I had this infection in in my face. So your mouth is just a dirty fucking hole and you (laughs) broke the skin in it and made it. Cellulitis is nothing to fuck with. I definitely, I've experienced that. And, and doctors say like, you know, if it starts to spread and you can't, was the, was your face red? Was it discolored on the outside? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're supposed to like draw a line around where the red is. Cause if that shit spreads and gets to an artery, I mean, it can get to your heart and it, it can, it can kill you. Yeah. So what happened was they put me on IV antibiotics, uh, and what it was like 1980. So that was probably like the equivalent of some like liquid ibuprofen. I don't know. So they put me on the liquid antibiotics and I actually, because they became afraid that I was going to lose my eye. It was, my cheek was swelling and it was Mm. moving towards my eye. And they were like, this kid is going to lose an eyeball. And so they had me on some pretty heavy duty stuff. And I actually got out of the hospital on Christmas Eve that year. That's a Christmas miracle. Yeah, I don't, again, that's not, I don't think I was going to die from that. Uh, I don't know, but it's real, it, real close to your brain. I don't know how yeah, that shit if, works. If it, if it had been some decades earlier, definitely <clears throat> a shot at death. Well, even if it had gotten into your eye, and if it had gotten into your eye, it's an ocular nerve, that's a main line into your brain. And fuck, I don't know. Is that t- is it related anyway to meningitis? Can it just, I don't know, that's... That's fucking sketchy it shit was, and so such a freak accident. Yeah, it was definitely sketchy. And that happened 40 years ago. And it may it may explain some things. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's where I went astray. I did get uh, I realized as you were telling that story, like, oh, cellulitis. Yeah, okay, I've had cellulitis a bunch of times. But then there's another it's bike bike related. But ding one of the founders of Squid Bicycles. Uh, this guy, Marty, Marty and I are riding, uh, it, it was 10 months to the day after I did a totally innocent little step off and did a full, uh, lateral hyperextension of my right leg and tore my ACL and my MCL and my meniscus, which basically put me on the couch for months, 10 months to the day. Marty and I are riding the same stretch of trail 
uh, I was in a different place, but there's this rise. It goes up, and then there's a little exposed piece of culvert pipe that runs off of the road uh, down into the creek. Mm-hmm. And you can just uh, ride up, hop over it, and keep going. And it had just sprinkled that morning. And the pipe was wet. And my rear tire just caught like a little bit of bare metal. And it sort of the rear end of my bike shot around behind me. So I pitched it, sort of let go of my bike, threw my bike, landed in the ivy. And I was sitting in the ivy and I was kind of holding my knee. I was like, oh, kind of tweaked it. God, I hope I didn't fucking do anything. My my leg was bent and Marty runs down the hill and he's like, oh, hey, man, are you okay? Holy fucking shit. And he like loses it. And I was like, huh? And I looked in front of my leg and my calf or shin. Um, when they run culverts downhill, they tie the pipes together with metal plates, steel, big steel plates. And I had landed on these two plates on my leg and given myself, I probably had an 11 inch laceration that paralleled about a six inch laceration. And they were big, real big. Like if I had landed on my abdomen or my neck or my back, or basically anywhere else, it would probably potentially could have really fucked me up, but it was bad. So, uh, first things first, pull out my phone, take a picture of my leg. Cause I've never <laughs> seen the inside of me before. Oh yeah. Look at that. And, uh, and, uh, and Marty was an Eagle scout and he was just fucking white. He's like, well, well what do we do? And he didn't know where I lived. And I, I was like, all right, so. I don't think I can get back to my house under my own power. Um, and he didn't know how to get to my house to get a car to get to me to get me to the hospital. So I was like, ah, oh, you know, I get one free ambulance ride a year with my insurance. So I l- walked down the hill to see where my bike is. And it had goalposted between these two trees. And it was probably 25 feet off this cliff. Like, I didn't even know there was a cliff there. It was a big cliff and there was no way I could get my bike. And it's my hunter cross bike, so I'm not, you know, I'm pretty bummed. I can't just leave it down there. Nobody's going to steal it because you can't get down there. But I didn't want to leave it and then come back and get it when I was well enough to walk. Anyway, the ambulance comes, picks me up, take me to the ER. Everybody's like, oh, what's up, Steve? Well, you know, because like I'm always in the ER. <laughs> and uh, they irrigate it. They clean it up. And the firemen show up because they call 911. ambulance shows up. I said, hey, man, since you guys didn't have to, like, drop a bucket down here to get me because I got up to the road under my own power. I said, would you mind getting my bike, getting my bike for me? <laughs> and I was like, I don't is if it was like a department store bike or something. I wouldn't sweat it. But my friend built this for me. And they're like, oh, fuck, yeah. So they were psyched. And they put, put all their rigging on the trees and dropped rappel <laughs> down to get my bike. A reason to rappel. They were they were stoked. Um, so shout out to firehouse 16 in Oakland, California. Those guys fucking rule. I went and brought them a big family sized jug of bourbon and a bunch of coffee and stuff. I was like, you guys are the best anyway. So, um, got a shit ton of stitches, uh, of course, cellulitis, you know, it like got real bad. So like three days later I was back in the hospital and I probably had like an eight hour uh, run of IV antibiotics that day too. Just like post it up. It was like a work day, you know, it's like clock yeah. in at the ER and let them fucking clear all the bugs from my system. So I wouldn't say that I almost died that day, but it was, there was 
a lot of dodged bullets, let's say. Yeah, I mean, I think, and, and most people will have this experience, right, of like, they got some illness that modern medicine can treat, but even as even as few as 25 years ago, you'd be a fucking corpse. Um, yeah, well, antibiotics were so, that was like big news when we were kids. They were giving us, giving antibiotics to us for everything, which is partially why everything's so fucked up, is because all the yeah. bugs have evolved. Everybody wants to survive, you know, even little cooties cooties want to survive yeah they're going to figure out how to resist the antibiotics man i had a case of cooties for a long time do you think um we exaggerate these experiences in our minds as a way of keeping our future selves safe or do you think we're actually pretty lucky to still be among the living um those two instances are not I didn't embellish anything. Oh, I did neglect to say the whole reason I brought up the gap was because they gave us a big spread and I ate some shrimp the night before. And that's what I thought was <laughs> causing my issues. That's why I brought the whole art installation thing up. Um, no, I didn't exaggerate either of those things. And, uh, and I, I, I don't think I feel like I ride differently now like once you have once you have a big injury and i'm dealing with it i blew my fucking mcl out like a month ago or five weeks ago so i'm like back on the injured reserve and it keeps me shit like that keeps me honest um for better or worse i went to a pump track just yesterday and i got my bike off the ground a few times and i'm not real good at that and so the landings were pretty ugly and uh my buddy bruce who is much better at it was like i'm gonna go one more time and i was like mm, never say that never one more time mm, no i don't think so and and i think even five years ago me would have been like i'll figure out the landing <laughs> i just must have to go faster on the takeoff <laughs> did he so that story doesn't conclude with him getting fucked up after saying one more run no, no, he did a pretty good jump and then, you know, fucked off, did real good. Yeah. Um, but he has a lot more practice at it than I do. His kid is a his kid is a jump line kid. So he's doing a lot more of that stuff. And I'm sort of like, I want to be off the ground until I'm off the ground. And then I'm like, mm, I don't know <laughs> if I needed this. I, I'm torn. I'm torn because I've had, you know, there there I have a history of being. I'm pretty good at that, you know, but like, I know I, I also have a history of being totally fucked up because of the hijinks. And, and so we've talked about this before. Like I had this real, like palpable risk versus reward conversation constantly. Like, how do I keep it to a dull roar? Because I don't want to, I hate being injured. I know it's the worst. It, it is sucks, the worst, man. And the, and the, and the younger you would like eat shit on the landing of a jump and you'd be fucked up for a couple days and then you'd be back. But, uh, a 50 year old us is like, well, this could be half a year. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm looking or at it right could be now. Just, or it could be pain forever. You know, just that one, like I have one shitty ankle that just hurts all the time. Like I don't even report it as injury because I mean, it's just, it's just part of being alive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how long I'm doing, you know, PT, probably not as consistently as I should. And it's so simple. 
just rubber band exercises and you know i can ride my bike within reason but i can't like like i was out on a cross ride uh there was a big rudy section and uh, i couldn't put my right foot down so i just like you know hit the root section stopped and just tipped over landed in some burns which was nice but i can't i don't want to risk you know i can't ride fucking skinnies because if i got to jump out of something my right leg is so uh um uh can't think of the i can't think of the word compromised thank you and i don't want to risk making it worse i could i could see like just tweaking it just right and being like okay there's the rest of the rupture like my mcl is yeah half cooked right now and i don't want to make it all the way cooked but i'm like desperately afraid of inactivity and like oh do i dare eat that additional gummy bear because you know my belt buckle is poking into my stomach a little bit today like now and then i get all fucking neurotic about like what I put in my body because you can't eat like you're riding if you're not riding like you're used to riding. And so, I don't know, I'm, I'm all over the place emotionally right now. I've been making, uh, this is terrible. Uh, my buddy Mike came through town and Mike has a, a special needs kid. And the only way they get him to take his meds is with marshmallows and stuff. So he left a big bag of marshmallows at my house and I've been making stovetop s'mores. Basically, you take a skewer and you just toast uh, the marshmallow on the stove. And I do that every night. And it's... I, I don't know why I'm telling this story. It's just one of those things that I'm actually a little bit in my head about. Like last night, I was like, I'm not making a s'more tonight. No s'mores. No s'mores, John. And then I was standing over the stove with the marshmallow. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> it's like you went on autopilot like you're telling yourself no s'mores and then you blink and the next thing you know you've got all the preparation and all the fixings out yeah next thing i know i'm like why is my chin so sticky god damn it <laughs> <laughs> foiled myself again Did so it. okay there's some there's some stories yeah get to question two most people seem to have stories like these no we like, already answered this one did you did we pretty yeah. lucky to be among the question three okay well fuck it yeah would you rather have all your farts from this point forward be audible and loud or every time you make love right afterwards you lay an actual egg that needs to be hatched and cared for until the chick is grown? Definitely loud farts. <laughs> you, I love fine. when you don't have to think about it much. Although it... it... I, you know, I would have thousands of chickens a year <laughs> because you're making so much love right <laughs> i can barely be responsible for my own well-being i don't want to be responsible for you know even if it's like where am i going to put one chicken or where am i going to put two chickens or you know uh, on in a banner year where am i going to put 350 chickens <laughs> you know what i mean Oh, yes. The 350-day year, you'd have all those chickens. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I like to think, um, I don't know, maybe I could give those away. Once the chickens, yeah, but you got, how long does it take for a chick to turn into a a chicken? It's a good point. How, How ill would you feel constantly from holding in your farts, though? Oh, you wouldn't. You just make them loud. You just let it rip. You yeah, just you be that it. guy. But yeah, yeah, I think so. 
Uh, you know, and maybe you wouldn't go into public or maybe you'd be a little bit more mindful about, you know, what you put in your body. So I'd be like, oh, I can't eat stuff that'll make me super gassy because I'm like going to church and I don't want to like <laughs> fart on all the pews and make it super reverberation-y. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was in a magazine store in Seattle a bunch of years ago and um, my friend was on one <laughs> My friend was on one side of the store. There's big racks and or rows, and they're all you know. It's like a like a newsstand, smoke shop, newsstand, or whatever, where you have every mag fashion magazines from Italy and skateboard magazines from from Germany and like all everything. Uh, and um, and I'm standing there, and I'm just kind of like zoning out on on whatever I'm looking at, and you just hear this booming, this <laughs> explosive emission. And immediately, like the, before it's even concluded, I hear my friend go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From one of the other aisles. And I think he thought it was me. And, uh, and it was just some random person like in an aisle between us. And they fucking blew one out. And, <laughs> and he was so psyched. That he like cheered it on, and then I started laughing, and probably the other, you know, three or four other people in the store were just like, you know, what the fuck just happened? What the fuck just happened? But he was so stoked, he couldn't keep his enthusiasm contained. You know, so, I wonder. I wonder. I want to bring somebody that kind of joy. Yeah, I wonder if like I was in the frozen foods aisle at the grocery store. And I let one go and I went, wahoo, afterwards. <laughs> if even the people around who would tell you that they're not like that's immature humor or like if you if you farted audibly and then went, wahoo, do, don't you think everyone would crack on that? I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think so. Because, you know, we have like the sensibilities of. I don't, you know, I've matured. My outlook on life has matured. My body's matured. I'm not a 13-year-old boy anymore, except this little component of my sensibilities or my sense of humor or whatever. I still, I watched a video this morning of like how to cough and cover a fart. Uh -huh. And it's like in the one, it was like a bunch of different uh, examples. And then one's like, you don't even try and he coughs and <laughs> then he farts. And it, <laughs> I, la I laughed. I laughed. I think it's hilarious. There are there. I, there's a tape somewhere that my friend Pete and I made when we were like 12. And it's just it's just a it's just a tape recording of farts. And it we you can hear us like pissing ourselves like, i don't know why but it's just the it's always been the funniest thing to me it's never not funny it'll never not be funny my friend brian also when he was i don't know when he was in high school he made a tape of farts and they're all like <laughs> it's all that just over and over again and our idea because i was in a band with brian we never made a single but we were gonna do a split seven inch with like us on one side and the whole other side would be his farts. Have you seen the documentary on the band Slint called the breadcrumb trail? I have not seen that one. I don't think. Oh, it's, it's incredibly, it's incredibly good. Uh, 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 Dave Grohl doesn't appear once. Oh, sweet. In the documentary. I How don't did they even get it made? <laughs> I don't think his name is uttered. I don't think it's in the credits. It's the 
just based on that alone, I think it's the best music documentary that's been made in the last 25 years. Uh, but there's a whole thing about like the fart tapes. I mean, Grant, the breadcrumb trail, um, Spiderland is a record by this band from Louisville uh, called Slint. And I think they recorded that it is like it is a fucking masterpiece. And I think they they did it when they were like 17 years old. Yeah. Like they had broken up by the time the record came out. The band didn't even exist anymore. And it has they have this mystery surrounding them. And the documentary is shot on like kind of low grade film. And there's interviews, I think, that. The singer guitarist, I think he is, uh, he's being like interviewed in a closet. Um, they interview his parents who are these kindly, this old kindly Southern couple. And they talk about like the band practicing in the basement and playing church shows and people running out of the church, like crying. And it's so good. But there's a whole thing about like a tape of a recording of farts, uh, who nobody like it's nobody really elaborates on it and nobody talks about it it's kind of like oh yeah that, no that's just slint lore or something interview steve albini interview david yao it's fucking great so the new the new setup i'm trying to do with my kids because my dad uh was not a very funny guy he didn't have a lot of jokes but he always thought farts were funny and he loved <laughs> uh he would love to do the pull my finger it didn't matter how many times he had done it to me. He would be like, hey, pull my, pull my finger. So my Classic. riff on the pull my finger is I say, pull my finger and then immediately fart. <laughs> but you also do the thing where you go, hey, do you smell popcorn? And then as soon as your kid's about to inhale, you, you let one go. Yeah, that's the, the perfect fart setup. Hey, <laughs> do you guys smell smoke? And just when they lean forward to sniff. Oh, that's the perfect... <laughs> That and if you could do the pull my finger and that in the same day, I don't know. You go to heaven. You like you just immediately you have angel wings and you're flying. And you're like, what happened? You and dad, you're in dad heaven. It's just you and a bunch of like middle aged dudes with fanny packs and cargo shorts, like yeah. standing around talking about propane grills. That's right. Uh, okay, I think let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening to Revolting. That's it. We're tired of asking you to subscribe or contribute or whatever. It's all bullshit. Uh, we're all gonna die someday hug your loved ones eat some ice cream or don't now fuck off on behalf of the cycling independent and revolting on Steve don't forget to suck it